This is the Macworld Podcast, episode 509 for May 25th, 2016. Oh, hello, everybody. I didn't see you standing there. Welcome back. Come on in. <laughs> it's time to sit a spell for this episode of the Macworld Podcast. I'm your folksy host, Glenn Fleischman, a senior contributor at Macworld, and joining me is Macworld's executive editor, Susie Oaks. Hello, Susie. Well, howdy, Glenn. Howdy, partner. Just feeling, I don't know why, kind of Western and a little low down. I want to mosey <laughs> we are, around. We are out West. We're going to mosey this week. Yeah, well. The wild, wild the West. Wild West. I think it's the uh, the outdoor quality of the new Apple wild, store wild in San Francisco wild, wild makes me think about that. So we'll we'll talk about that. They can just open those doors and let all the cows mosey That's on. Right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Graze in the genius grove. It's all about insides and outsides. Uh, my wife was just reading aloud the novel, the junior novelization of Inside Out, which I haven't seen to my younger son, and I had to actually kind of leave the room a few times because I haven't seen the movie yet. So, oh my gosh, uh, junior, get ready no- to cry. This is not the adult <laughs> novelization; it's the junior novelization. Just to be was clear, was it very emotional? Still, um, I yeah, parts of it. I had was it about there. how everything you love will someday everything die? Everything you love is going to die. Just listen, and yeah. it's Pixar. It's Pixar. We make you dying. cry. Yeah, it's kind of like that. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what makes that movie is ridiculous. I'm like holding my son on my lap, like just sobbing. And he's like, my sobs are like shaking his little body. And he's like, mommy, I'm trying to watch the movie. Well, did you see I'm jiggling around too much? Could you like take it down a notch? Did you see the Netflix news from Monday? Netflix I did. is going to have Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Pixar because they, uh, the, I think it was the stars deal expired. Was that it? Yes. Yeah, uh, like so that. in yeah. September, it will not be. <laughs> this is one covered said it might be a place to find it. It'll be the only place to find it. So no Hulu. It'll be the only like pay TV place. So yeah, oh, right. yeah so no like, you'll still be able to buy Netflix and I mean, you'll still be able to buy Pixar and Disney movies from like movie selling places. Exactly. It's just, you know, the streaming. Yeah, is only the included, be on but that's pretty but amazing. I don't feel like a lot of these movies stream very many places. Like Netflix right now has like right. Hercules. Like it's never the Disney, it's never like the big A list Disney movies you want to see. Yeah, but these are going to be. I, like I think this is going to be. Hopefully, this will change that. Yeah, because they're going to get. Uh, they're releasing. Uh, they've got a list on their site at Netflix. Get ready for summer. Because uh, even to buy, you can't buy all the Disney movies. Sometimes they really, like all the time. They'll release like some of them sometimes, and then they put them back in what they call the vault. And then, um, yes, because like they they want to make it like when they put it on sale, exactly. you got to buy it. The vault is the vault that's the cryogenic freezer that still stores Walt Disney to this day. I think. Oh yes, yeah. yes, yeah. They got a lot of room in the vault. It's very cold in there. So September, yeah. Netflix will says they'll be bringing the latest films from Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, and Pixar. So I, latest seems unambiguous, but perhaps they're going to get a random selection. I it's may, not as big a news as it's. I, I'm curious. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I like it. Uh, speaking of Frozen, <laughs> this is my transition. Uh, good. That's iPad, a good one. iPad Pros, some iPad Pros were bricked by 9.3.2 uh, update. No dots after that. It was uh, error 54, 56. It was a worst, different error than last time. The second worst error in the world. Uh, yeah, so apparently in some cases, I read some reports online from people who are not like, you know, they're aggrieved, but they're not trying to pick a fight, uh, they took their device in and Apple actually had to replace it, that they were unable to um, restore it. Uh, in some cases you can, and uh, I think the idea is you may have to go to the Genius Bar to get it fixed um, if you can't manage to restore it at home. Some of them are just hard bricked, so Apple is working on that. 
kind of embarrassing. I don't know. I mean, we have, I feel like we're in the, like, um, the sort of like quantum flux era of Apple where they're like, there's a problem. We don't know what caused it, but we're going to fix it. You know, their iTunes thing too. I'm like, but, Maybe that's why they kept some people's iPad Pro so they could figure out what the problem oh, was if they were having trouble oh, reproducing it. Because I mean, it, it was only 9.7 inch iPad Pros that were affected. And it wasn't, you know, obviously it wasn't all of them. Like we updated ours and it was fine. Yeah, it's just funny. So I've held off updating just as no massive security leak at the moment. So I'm just waiting to hear a little more news for update. We'll let non- you know when we hear that it's all clear. All clear, folks. Uh, but yeah, and related to this, by the way, is uh, iTunes, uh, uh, the iTunes thing that was fixed. Uh, we had Kirk McElhern on last week to talk about some of these issues uh, related to iTunes and Apple Music. And uh, he helped sort out a bunch of stuff. Um Oh, two things. One is uh, another European, another person in the UK says, Kirk is wrong and pointed to a fact. You can use Apple Pay for charges of more than 30 pounds in the UK, but it can be confusing because sometimes you might have to present. It's, it doesn't <laughs> – you can do it, but it's not necessarily as clear as it sounds. So with the, with the tap to pay credit cards that have RFID, you can only make transactions up to a certain size uh, – but the Apple Pay can make larger ones, but you may still have to sign something, sort of like in the U.S. So, so someone wanted us to correct that. Um, the other thing, though, is Apple apparently sent engineers to the house of the fellow who originally reported the Apple Music stole my music thing. Uh, Was that confirmed? Where did you see that? Uh, I saw a couple write-ups of it. I think the guy talked about it. I don't think I don't know if Apple confirmed it, but I I don't think this. Per- well, all right, maybe this person could be a serial liar, but let's assume not. <laughs> I'm assuming not. Um, I was just wondering. I hadn't seen it yet. He talked to a few people about it, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't like a rumor. It was um, he spoke about them coming and uh, you know uh, re- looking at a bunch of stuff, installing things, going away, coming back, and like grabbing a bunch of log files. So uh, it's cool that Apple took it seriously. Uh, and perhaps um, you know it'll uh, this, the update will <laughs> will fix things. The thing they don't know was broken. Apparently, they still didn't able to figure out what that was. Um, also, this last week, uh, I don't think the uh, if if Google Android was an ice cream, I could continue the Frozen theme, but they're not an ice cream anymore. Google Android Six is a different. Uh, was it Kit Kat? I don't even know. Lollipop. Yeah, now it's on N, and they oh, want right. people to submit um, you know names. Sorry. And this, so they're just asking the internet for you know names that start with N, and I don't think anything could go wrong. No, there. no, don't do that. No Google. potential for problems. Sorry, marshmallow whatsoever. is the current. There's no frozen marshmallows. So marshmallow is the current release in N uh, negative temperatures. That's what. You what call. is the sound? Sound of a frozen marshmallow. Uh, it could, if you dip it in uh, liquid nitrogen, you throw it on the ground, it shatters. It's pretty cool. I'm going for. I, I, I like Nutella. I also like Nilla wafers. Oh, I like that. They could, and they've licensed things like Kit Kat in the or past. Or nicotine. Nicotine. Yeah. <laughs> they've licensed uh, trademarks in the past. So they could go with Nilla yes. wafers. Yes. Yeah. They did a deal with Kit Kat for Android Kit Kat. Yes. We had a, a student teacher uh, when I was in junior high. Uh, his last name was Villanueva or Villanueva. And we liked him so much, we bought a Villa a Nilla wafer box and customized it for him on his last day. So, oh, that's nice. I don't know why that memory just came back, but you know, sometimes you get old and uh, things that happened 30 years ago popped your Thank brain. a teacher today. That's right. Student teachers are the best. Uh, so uh, Google transition uh, I.O. conference was last week and our own flow ion and other folks who else was there? There were other people covering it as well because it was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, stuff going on. You can read some coverage at macworld.com. You can go to Greenbot and um, but they had a lot of Mac news surprisingly though before the event they released iOS uh, iOS yeah. news, sorry no Mac yeah. news. nothing happening on the Mac. Um, Apple News. They released uh, Gboard, which we talked about last week, a keyboard I really like. It's become my favorite keyboard. It's all I'm using now in iOS. Um, it's so good. 
and then also spaces, which we could call uh, Wave 2, Electric Boogaloo or something. It's um, Catch the Google Wave 2. Uh, spaces is a collaborative working environment that you can set up an area that you can then share across. Uh, well, it works on the web. Um, I've got it on my – I can use it on my Mac. There's apps and um, – uh, mobile apps, and you can share files and have conversations and so forth. It's kind of like a micro Slack, um, or any- it's sort of like a little shared Evernote kind of thing. Yeah. that like you you can kind of pin uh, websites and pictures and things in a in a shared space, and you're supposed to sort of arrange them by topic, and then you can you know you have different spaces you could share with different people. You kind of make sub. Like Glenn and I could have one for this podcast where we put you know links and things in to share with each other. That's a wild idea. Why aren't we doing that? Better do that right away. Because uh, we already have a thing that does that. Like we're using another <laughs> Google product for that, which uh, works for us. Yeah, it's um, no, definitely. Google does a lot of overlap. They're kind of the Taco Bell of tech companies where they have like, you know, a bunch of different, like similar they're things, kind of the but they're Bell. like, you know, do you want the beans on the top or the tortilla around the outside or in the middle? In, Look, in we the got middle? cheese, beans, and rice. We can put it in some combination in some kind of fried yeah. thing. What do you want? We'll just keep restacking these ingredients because the other things that they announced at uh, IO, they announced two new iOS apps that aren't out that they will be out in the summer. I mean, they're Android and iOS. One is a chat app called Allo. Allo, Allo, Governor. Allo, and the other is a video chat app called Duo. So they both have a lot of features that are in, you know, Hangouts. And um, yeah, Google has been doing messaging for a while. They have, you know, their own messaging app. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a little unclear. And it doesn't seem like those are going away. So they're just like, how do you want to chat? We've got all these different ways. Allo has a, a, a few cute things. It has kind of pre-written responses. So it's sort of how if you have like an Apple Watch now, or um, and, and you can even program in responses, but then Apple will also suggest ones um, contextually. Like if someone asks you, uh, a question or offers you two choices, it'll it'll give you like the option back um, of, of each of those choices. It, it, uh, the the quick type keyboard on iOS will do that too. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, Google built that into the Allo app, and then there's other kind of fun things like it has you know a, a GIF search and um, stickers and all that junk. And then there's a thing where you can make words bigger, and so if you can like shout instead of using all caps, you can just make that word really big by kind of sliding it up before you send it. So that's uh, that's kind of neat. Um, someone wrote, I'm going to have to find this. I don't have the link in front of me, but someone wrote a really good um, thesis that like, look, Allo, they're trying to figure out how we talk, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the machine learning has to figure out how you and your friends communicate with each other. And it, it's supposed to learn over time. And so if you say like, yes, instead of like, yes, when you're texting your friends, It'll start to like offer you that, so, which autocorrect kind of does now a little bit. Like if I if I type in ha ha ha, like in lowercase, iOS will offer me like ha 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 <laughs> in uppercase because I've typed that so oh. many times that it remembers that when I laugh, I laugh in like uppercase for you know would, like forty characters. Would be nice if you could edit those autocorrects, wouldn't it? Yeah. So Google is is building all this into this one app, so it has like it, over time it can learn how you talk. It's supposed to learn your favorite emojis and like you know auto offer you like emojis, and so but you know the other thing that they sell, of course, is advertising. So eventually. You could start seeing like the way you and your friends talk, like reflected back into you, like b- reflected back to you by ads you see around the internet. I mean, they haven't, you know, announced plans to do this, but this is just kind of like the natural 
progression of like, what would that look like? Cause we've already seen what a nightmare it can be when you have like brands on Twitter, like trying to be cool and using words like bay and like stuff like that. Yeah. And they're like, Oh yeah. Tide pods are on fleek. And like, it's, it's terrible. Tide it's pods. hideous. And it makes me want to like, you know, couch my eyes out with a fork sometimes. So if this is, you know, Allo looks like a cool chat app, but if it, if eventually like years down the road, I mean, like brands are, are trying to, to talk like, chatting teenagers it's it's not going to be well great. i think there's two other pieces of news with Allo that i think are interesting one we'll get to in a second which is the fact that you can talk to the google assistant so it listens to you and does smart replies but you oh yeah so let, you have a little like bot listening in like your little assistants yeah. are listening let's in, talk about that in a second cool. i want to i want to bookmark that because we're going to talk about ai in a moment uh and apple and google um the other is that it created a huge controversy is incognito mode which among other things i hear people say well, and John Gruber's uh, raised this flag. He's like, incognito is what we usually call the private mode in a browser or the porno mode. Going dark, yeah. as the FBI would yeah. call and it. It's not incognito. <laughs> it's more like a privacy mode because you're still who you are. No one can see in. If you enable incognito mode, then it uses uh, whisper systems, uh, work with them just as it has with other companies. It activates a st- very strong end-to-end encryption. You can have messages self-destruct. Uh, it's, uh, it's a powerful tool. The, the big dispute is... And I assume it would send that assistant away Exactly. Too, right? So this is the issue. And you can read, if you go on Twitter and read uh, Chris Segoyan of the, of the ACLU, we've mentioned a number of times, is a uh, very strong privacy advocate. And uh, EFF is also not happy with this as well. So when WhatsApp updated, which is owned by Facebook, WhatsApp added uh, you know, first to Android and then you know, a few weeks ago, which we talked about on the podcast, they added... Uh, whispers or based on whispers uh, software they added uh, extremely strong end-to-end encryption uh, on everything and it's just on by default and you have to go kind of out of your way to break it so it will ask you if you want to archive your messages on iCloud for instance on the iOS client if you do that then that's outside that encryption bubble so you can and some people are concerned it's too insistent about asking if you want to back up messages uh, but if you use it without archiving and use all the tools in WhatsApp you're encrypted by default when you use it. Allo is not unencrypted. Like they use secure communications with Google, but Google can listen in. It can uh, you know, do whatever kind of anonymous aggregated information gathering it's doing. And to talk to the assistant, it has to be out of incognito mode. So it ships with uh, where it's secure, but not protected against uh, intrusions of privacy. And the government could subpoena what's in these conversations very easily uh, because Google has access to the unencrypted contents in them. Um, Not that it's storing or anything like that. I'm not accusing them of doing something outside of what they're saying. Rather that uh, you can tap any conversation in which an intermediate party has legitimate access as Google does in order to use Google Assistant. So that's a concern. There are a lot of, there's some words flying like mad with Chris Seguin and some other folks about whether this is good or bad. bad. Uh, Seguin maintains this is exactly what the FBI would like encrypted communication apps to look like. So secure it within their channel, but not protected against, uh, you know, other people being able to gain access who have an interest. Uh, I think it's cool that Google's doing all these, um, doing all these uh, Apple app or iOS apps. It's neat. It's a nice yeah. sign. I mean, and Google makes good apps. I always, I always end up really liking their. They app. do. I use. I mean, that's the funny part. Like, I wish uh, you know, Apple needs to take more of a page from Google. Huh. Uh, speaking of Apple taking more of a page, not a Larry Page, but page from their book. Uh, I wanted to bring up this essay that uh, this uh, 
modest young fellow named Marco Arment wrote. Um, if you know Marco Arment, I used to work for him, so that's my disclosure. Uh, he did the magazine and Instapaper. Uh, he's the creator of Overcast and uh, host of uh, Accidental Tech Podcast. And Marco is a, a developer, and he is at times gotten burned by saying things that other people are thinking about where Apple is going. And so um, because it's not that people necessarily agree, disagree with them, that's the problem. It's that the media as a whole, especially the business media, will say, prominent developer Marco Arment says Apple is doomed. He's like, that's not what I said. What I said is they're not treating the developer, you know, so he has a lot of issues and rightly so about how Apple uh, fosters uh, th third-party development, especially smaller developers, and gives them predictable ability to do things, invest money and time, and so forth, right? So that's that said, uh, he wrote a very interesting short essay about his concern about Apple's future, which, again, people will summarize as Apple Doom, but it's more like he's worried when he looks at the cycles of time, like what killed BlackBerry? It's not that BlackBerry made a bad phone. It's just that they had all this entrenched interest in an ecosystem and market that they couldn't see the next thing was going to be important. And they could have invested BlackBerry. Absolutely. There was nothing culturally or impossible technologically that they couldn't do. They had all this money that all these people, and they just simply didn't believe that a shift that was rising around them happened. And then they were swamped by it because they were so entrenched. Um, he's concerned that uh, artificial intelligence development, like big data AI, is not uh, Apple's strength and that it's not pushing itself in a direction while all of its competitors in different aspects, he cites you know, Amazon, Facebook, and Google. I think Microsoft is also in there too, but not in exactly the same way, are all doing all this mm -hmm. development to be able to do things like Google Assistant. Or, I mean, look, you know, Susie, how do you feel about Siri compared to Google Now? I, I try Google Now and it's it's better. Siri is still feels very stunted and held back to me compared to other voice recognition stuff I try. And I think that's a strong opinion out there too. Yeah. And Apple kinds of kind of like spins it as a privacy thing. Like Google's assistant can be better because it's like wormed more deeply into like your personal information. But I, yeah, I mean, Marco brings that up in his, his thing. And he's like, there's a lot of, you know, information that Siri can know mm -hmm. about you, like your calendar and your contacts that, that she already knows, you know, she already has access to. So that's not, that's not the whole story like that. That could be a factor, but that's not the whole thing. So yeah, I mean, Google is, doing a lot of like predictive things of context and then they're they're putting out APIs like um, they're, they're going to be able to the, the assistant in Allo that we mentioned that's going to be kind of listening in if you if Glenn and I are talking about like oh you know Glenn's going to be in San Francisco we should really get together for dinner um, it'll pop in and be like what day do you want to have dinner and like you know it, it, it's kind of it could if, if it's done wrong it could be like Clippy from um, Microsoft Word back in the day mm -hmm. uh, uh, I see you're chatting about dinner, but um, it, if it's done right, it could be super handy. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, they're just kind of out in the, in the forefront, and it's 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 more about um, anticipating your needs before you need them, and 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 less about like oh, like me deciding I need to do something, and then figuring out like which app I need to open. And, you know, doing and initiating all that myself. So, yeah, Apple is kind of running behind on all of that. Um, Marco's article actually. Um, so, so, yeah, he's just talking about how like, like, yeah, like you said, he's talking about how Apple um, needs to 
to to get ahead on AI. And if AI ends up being oh, like the next yeah, big yeah. thing, it's not, like he's he's like, mm-hmm. I'm not convinced this is exactly. happening. But like, if we are going from like you know a mobile first world to an AI first world, and if it's more about like you know just ubiquitous voice assistance around anywhere, like listening in, which you know Apple would say like, oh, that sounds like a privacy nightmare. Like that's not you know, the world we're interested in. But if that ends up being like, you know, the way it goes, then yeah, they're going to look like BlackBerry, like clinging to their, you know, little chiclet keyboards while everyone else is doing Look how amazing Amazon Echo is. Like, I think Amazon Echo is such a tremendous success when it seemed Mm -hmm. like, it seemed like Amazon didn't get hardware, right? And the Kindles were fine, but they're sort of, some of them seemed overpriced and the Fire tablet is what, you know, there's multiple models and it's like whatever, but like the Fire Stick, People have – it was it had a lot of nice things to say about it, I think, in terms of functionality, not necessarily interface or whatever. Uh, and then – Yeah, the Fire TV is awesome. Yeah, and it, so that's – and Apple is sort of lagging. Apple TV doesn't really compare exactly to it, although you know it's got its own uh, pluses and minuses. Uh, but Echo, um, we've talked about it a bit, I think, uh, it was last week, the week before. Um, Echo definitely – is something that kind of came out of a different direction. Amazon didn't intend to release Echo as the product it did, but while they were developing the Fire Phone, which was the Homer Simpson car of of Amazon, uh, yes, Mr. Bezos, we'll do whatever you say, Mr. Bezos, the Echo team actually was responding also to feedback, but they made what they did richer. Uh, so when they finally shipped the preview, it was pretty functional and they kept layering it on. So the thing now. Yeah, it does a lot more yeah, things now. It's ca- it works with all these other services. It's what Siri sort of seemed like it was going to be uh, in terms of being able to tie into everything. But the Echo, it's weird because the Echo is planted in your house and it's a speaker. You know, it's, it plays music too. Um, and it's listening kind of all the time, right? I mean, you say something, but it's like really, it's it's always available. And it was only in the last, uh, you know, few releases of uh, the iPhone that you had the uh, Hoy Telephone feature where it would pick up when you said something. Um, so I think, I think there's a real question about like how big data slash AI stuff will develop. But I don't think there's any question that whatever happens, we're all going to be interacting more with things that do things um, automatically. We're already doing a lot more of it now. It's going to, and it's the technology, the machine learning has improved an enormous amount in the last few years. Like just the deep, uh, the deep learning technique that was used has a lot of limits and it's starting to really crunch up against them, but it's produced vastly better results than any previous set of algorithmic approaches we're seeing the benefits of that now. But so when you get to like 95% accuracy or 98%, that last few percent still is a big bunch of friction. So there are, you know, tons of researchers, there's billions and billions of dollars being spent at the companies Marco mentions and others to try to get closer to it because you want AI in a car when you're hands-free. You want to be able to talk to your car and say things. You want it to warn you of stuff in a sensible way. Hey, you usually drive this way to work. I see you're you're not, but you know there's a holdup on 145th Street ahead. So I'm plotting a new route. Do you want me to continue? Like that's insanely useful, right? Um, and it's these kind of more subtle things that'll happen or uh, even uh, showing you more relevant news to your interests. You say, I want to have more diverse news in my news feed and having an AI understand what that means relative to what you know and what you read and have it pull in sources you don't read. So it reverses the echo chamber. All these kinds of things are coming and they're only going to get better. You know, uh, sometimes you feel like you hit a plateau with technology and say, well, this is kind of the best it's going to be. We're only going to have 90% voice recognition accuracy. It's like, well, no, actually we can get to 98% or 99%. That last 1% is going to take the same amount of time, like seven years to get the last 1%. Um, 
So I share Marco's concern that because Apple plays things much closer to its vest often uh, than other companies, you have to read tea leaves. Uh, we were talking uh, before the podcast about uh, hiring. Like Apple, if they're buying AI firms and hiring AI researchers, it's invisible because the people in the field, uh, you were saying, I'm sorry, just like, that don't, aren't aware of this. Yeah, I, um, Marco's uh, article made me think of an article I read last fall in Bloomberg, and I was able to find Yay. it, thank you, Google, um, that talked about the headline is Apple's secrecy hurts its AI software development. And they talked to a bunch of AI um, you know, developers and researchers, and they say, like, look, this is a small community, and we all know each other, and we all see each other at conferences and stuff, and the people, the company that you don't see at these conferences is Apple. And uh, the people, you know, like the, the big minds in this space like aren't really excited about working for Apple if Apple is trying to hire people because they don't want to be cut off from the rest of the scientific community they don't you know like they don't want to work under those kind of restraints so uh, you know that could be a problem too like it, there's only so many people who who are like experts in AI it's so new and and you know Apple has been um, you know, accused before of having trouble like hiring, attracting and retaining talent. I don't, you know, know enough about their uh, staff to know if that's, you know, overblown or not. But yeah, that could be that could be an issue in AI. Yeah, I, I uh, was doing some research last year for an article that, <clears throat> excuse me, unfortunately didn't come to fruition. But I spent a lot of time looking at uh, computer vision, uh, which is a fascinating field and where it overlapped with deep learning. And uh, I talked to Jan LeCun, who is one of the founders of the school of thought around deep learning and then shepherded it through the dark years when people thought it was a bad idea because we lacked enough computational power. And then when it bloomed, he was there. Now he's the head of uh, Facebook AI research, strangely. And uh, some of his colleagues at that same level of, um, of having the history are working for major firms like Google or running projects at universities that are dedicated essentially to major uh, companies' efforts and are funded by. Um, and Apple doesn't have that person doesn't have someone like him there. Um, but the thing I discovered in my research, I would find something, an article from 2013 about some aspect of computer vision, be like, oh, I need to talk to this person. And then I'd be like, oh, this person dropped off the face of the world. Like, oh, there's a blog entry from 2013 where they got hired by Google or Facebook or whomever. And you could just see people disappearing from the academic field as they got hoovered up. And I have to believe that um, there are just recruiters standing in the way of people getting their PhDs. Like, look, you can get your PhD later. Come on. I mean, this happened 20 plus years ago in Seattle, the University of Washington's computer science department, which I had a housemate who was a PhD candidate, uh, one of the the employee number one at uh, or two, I rather at Amazon was a PhD candidate at uh, in computer science, and people just get hired. You know, they couldn't finish their PhDs because there was such a demand for them in industry. We're seeing that with you know, AI and other fields uh, now as well, and they're not going to Apple. Uh, I dug up this other piece I'd remembered seeing just a few weeks ago at a site called Above Avalon. We'll have the link in the show notes. Apple R and D reveals a pivot is coming, so it's not that Apple. I mean, Marco's concern isn't that Apple is doing nothing. Like, he doesn't think that Apple... Well, they, they're doing the car. The car is a big AI yeah, project. Yeah, ostensibly. Right? We have all this, uh, all these signs appearing that they're working on it in a very... Yeah, it's an AI project, and it's also... Maybe the car is just kind of like, a, you know, an exercise in learning AI, <laughs> and they're not even going to, like, put out the car. It could be. And there is also the case that when you come to certain fields late, you didn't pay all the money and build all the software that now is outdated. So, you know, there's that issue of, like, uh, developing world... That's true. That's true. They could just swoop in and buy whoever is whoever. Right. Wins. I mean, Google did that. Google <laughs> essentially bought its car division um, 
And uh, my friend Mark Harris wrote a piece for, I think it was IEEE Spectrum, tracing the origin. Google kind of pretended like it was their own thing, but in fact, they bought a company that was partly involved in this really interesting, um, it's an AE&E series, one of these things, like a challenges series, like Mythbusters. And these guys had built a car that could self-drive and deliver pizza as part of one episode. Some of those people, if I'm remembering right, some of those people wound up being part of this team that got acquired and helped build what Google turned into its car or uh, added to its team. Uh, but so uh, this Above Avalon piece um, is a really good counter to any concern that people might have that Apple is resting on its laurels and saying, we solved everything, you know, we're done. We we own these markets and we're just going to do incremental improvements, which is the usual thing people say about Tim Cook, which is not true, but it's, you know, kind of the narrative. Uh, Above Avalon just tracked uh, Apple's uh, R&D research and development expense and points out that uh, in 2014, it starts to bump up. And uh, in 2016, the uh, estimate is going to spend about $10 billion, which is 30% higher than 2015. And it's uh, over three times as much as was being spent four years ago. So Apple was spending about $3 billion uh, as recently as 2012. And now it's going to spend $10 billion this year. Now its sales have gone up, but it have not gone up threefold in that time. Um, so I think that is a good sign that Apple isn't sitting there thinking it solved all problems. Uh, it's it's definitely spending a higher percentage of its um, – higher percentage of its uh, – uh, revenue now than it has apparently in like 15 years, according to this chart that, uh, there. So we'll put that URL in. Um, so Susie, Apple not doomed, but this is a very rational and reasonable concern that Apple doesn't seem to be poised from what we can read from the public sign of what might be one of the next big waves. They seem behind on it. Yeah, we'll see. That's a Hopefully that they, it just seems that way. It's a good way. rational discussion though, too. I mean, I think this ties into yes. our concern about Apple's services. Like Apple does some services okay, and some of them they don't seem to be able to get their hands around even after years. And uh, uh, and everything's like going to be a service yeah, now. So they, like that's just sort of the way it's yeah. going. It's less like things that you buy and keep forever. Like it's – Yep. Everything's connected. Everything's, you know, got a company and a service behind it. And so when you buy something, you're kind of betting on that company as well as. Sorry, you didn't pay your heart bill this month. We're coming to repossess your heart. Pretty much. Rip it out of your head. That's an old Monty Python sketch. I just realized it's like, you didn't pay the bill for the hospital. So we're here to take your spleen back. Uh, (laughs) So um, on to more. It's talking about research and development. See, I got segues for everything. Uh, there are a lot of iPhone 7 rumors out there for being there sure this early in the cycle. Uh, well, it's the confusing this time. I've never seen anything like this uh, weird iPhone rumor cycle because half of the rumors are for the 2017 iPhone. Yeah. Like it's like sometimes it's like it sort of depends on on the day. Like some of the rumors are like, okay, this this new iPhone isn't going to be really redesigned, but they're next year they're going to go OLED and it's going to be glass on both sides and and at some point like there's going to be a smart connector, but it might be on this one, but just on the big one, but it might not be till next year. And it's been really confusing. Well, it's weird. Like here's something uh, we've got a report uh, uh, by Oscar Raimundo and Caitlin McGarry at MacWorld.com, which we'll link in the show notes about I just rounding up these rumors, how plausible and and whatever. But like, yeah, the, we're trying to just keep this updated so all the rumors are in one. But place. this uh, like this the cycle thing is interesting for 2017. So for instance, uh, Bloomberg reported that Applied Materials, which supplies to Apple, has received almost four times the amount of orders for its display-making machines. 
So that's a very reasonable, uh, you look at that and you go, all right, well, that's something that takes a long time to ramp up. So it's not going to be a fall of 2016 thing. So maybe this is a fall of 2017 thing. This is the switch to OLED. Yeah, like they need new display making machines to retool the factories to do OLED screens instead of the LCD screens that they've been using the whole yeah, time. OLED use less power. They're thinner. They have higher resolution or higher uh, definition. You can kind of bend them a little. Yeah. Like they're, they're not. Nice. a lot of reasons to go to it, but it's also, I think Apple's managed um, LCDs really well the battery usage and everything else. So they've probably had less motivation because of how much they're they developed. so much cheaper to make yeah. too. And if Apple can make a really, really good That's one. That's the like, thing. Eh. OLED had, you know, I know OLED's gotten much better, but it had a reputation of being kind of, eh, you know, it's cheaper and, uh, you know, you can save battery, but it's not, you know, and now that's sort of been changing as developments happen. So Apple often, as we know, they don't, uh, they uh, wait to get into the field until it's matured to a point that they can then take the cream of what the new technology is, as opposed to trying to pioneer it, you know, mm-hmm. and then they go all in and they're, they own everything in the field. They'll buy all of the equipment. They'll uh, maybe even own a new process. They'll buy all the glass that they need uh, making uh cause remember, that was the iPad thing. Apple effectively locked down the world supply of gorilla glass um, in large pieces for a while. And that restricted the ability of competitors to make iPads or make a tablets that were 10 inches, I think. Uh, and that lasted for a bit that gave them a competitive edge. They don't have that one, but they like to do that. Uh, yeah. I read this hilarious piece, by the way, speaking of Bloomberg, just in passing of, uh, it was like a written podcast. It was two people talking to each other who both seemed very well informed. I looked at their bios and with like, these are experienced reporters. And one said, yeah, I just don't think Apple has the same. They don't seem to be innovative. I'm looking for more innovation and change the way they used to. And then refers back to the original iPhone. And I'm like, wait, that was nine years ago. Like what innovation, if you're watching the field, they don't innovate. They, they, you know, iterate and only innovate at, you know, anyway, it was just very funny to see that repeated by a Seemingly sensible couple of people. Yeah. Ah, so iPhone 7 rumors and 7S rumors, essentially. Yeah, so the the 7, the one that we're going to get this year. And I mean, if they're, if they're saving OLED in a big redesign for next year, maybe this one wouldn't be the iPhone 7. Like, the, that kind of disrupts the TikTok cycle. Like, on in the normal cycle... This year, the, the 2016 iPhone 7 would be the redesigned one. So if they're saving the redesign for next year and they're just kind of tweaking it a little bit this year, I don't know. Like that that could end up uh, affecting the name. But anyway, they're saying that it'll kind of have um, it'll have quad speaker. It'll have four speakers on the top and the bottom, like that we they've added to the iPad Pro um, this year. So that seems pretty plausible. Um, it, it there's a different flash. Um, and, but the flash it's, it's, there's been pictures of both. So we're still kind of in the, in the zone where, I mean, it's still like five, six months out. Yeah. So we're in the zone where that we're seeing all kinds of crazy, crazy, uh, spy pictures that are like, this is the case. No, this is the case. My understanding too, is they have to lock down at some point, but I don't know if they lock down this early. I mean, they have to lock down obviously, but I think we may still be. There some, could be a few couple versions. Yeah, yeah, at some point they just have to to commit because they need the components. And, and again, I don't remember. I, I've seen this. The numbers backed out before about when it's possible the iPhone seven is totally or uh, is totally locked down, or seven and seven plus are totally locked down, and our you know components are ordered and they're developing the manufacturing lines, doing prototyping. But I think they can still swap features in. Nothing major, but um, you know, if camera stuff doesn't work out, I don't know. 
maybe it is too late already. When they went from the five to the six, um, so I mean, we're only a couple weeks out from WWC, right? And when they went from the five to the six, I hung out with Arnold Kim at WWDC and he gave me a case for the six, yeah. which had not been announced yeah. yet. And then when I got my six, it fit right in there perfectly. Yeah. So this seems like it would be about the time that the case would have to be pretty final. So it's possible that like one of these leaks is correct and the other ones aren't, or the correct case has not been leaked yet. But anyway, yeah. Uh, so it seems like stereo speakers and um, no hardware, um, no no audio jack. Yeah, that's so that that might actually man, happen. Man, that'll this be there'll be so much anger about that. Remember what? Oh, I, mean, I know it's going to be insane. You know, I keep coming across that um, the Apple. It'll be kind of fun when the, <laughs> when the Apple TV uh, came out and had no audio output. Remember the amount of anger or no confusion, anger from people who wanted to up. You and I were both kind of like miffed. And then there were, I remember a lot of people telling me it was no big deal being like, Oh, calm your little head there. It's fine. And I was like, no, I use that all the time. And they're like, no, no stereos all have HDMI now. And I'm like, no, mine does not. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. No one uses that. I just, I updated. So the headphone jack, like clearly everyone uses that is not an obsolete technology by any means. I still had my old, Apple TV at the point we were talking about because I didn't, I didn't wasn't in line to buy the new one right away and mine's still <clears> hooked <throat> up I stream music to it all yeah, the time yeah so I was using I don't even know if I needed to but I still I had an old receiver and I think I was using um, uh, which we call a stiff what is it called uh, a Toslink cable my receiver prefers to be referred to as seasoned seasoned it's not no. old it's just you know it's experienced but I switched over to an HDMI capable switching receiver uh, but I think I was still using uh, using Toslink to plug the audio from my older Apple TV in um, and just to remind people if you are looking for a solution Canex does have an HDMI pass through splitter doohickey that I reviewed oh, yeah, a few right. months ago but it's um, it's expensive but it does the trick and uh it's funny is people are like, this seems kind of pricey and it doesn't do uh, analog and digital audio at once. You have to pick one or the other. You can't have them both plugged in, which annoyed some people. But, you know, for the price, they said, well, I could get this other thing. And I look, and it's like you can't import it. It's only sold in the UK. This other thing is, you know, it's cheaper, but it's like this, you know, black box from some unlabeled company. And I'm like, no, well, Canix is a brand and they produce stuff and they honor their warranties. And I tested it. This other stuff, like, yeah, you could buy something for half the price, but you don't know how it's going to work. So. Or you can't buy I mean, it. I'm willing to admit that that's like my, you know, my Apple TV usage might be somewhat of an edge case. I don't know, though. And that's what I Apple does. So like Apple people. makes design choices that they think are going to work for like the biggest number of people, you know, like they're they're kind of going oh, for oh. The, the big middle part of yeah, the curve, hundreds right? Hundreds of so, people complained about this. I mean, literally hundreds of people talked to us directly via comments and Twitter and email. Right. So, um, th- so yeah. I don't blame Apple for making the choice, but it is absolutely the case that there are people who wanted an option and Canex is thing is a I think a pretty good um I know but what I'm saying is that like that's that was just the Apple TV mm-hmm. okay and like that's mm-hmm. that's a smaller product with a much smaller install oh, God, base no, and, like, right. you know <laughs> And, and, and it's only a portion of that smaller product's install base that is going to want to do the things that we wanted to do oh, with yeah. it. But the freaking headphone headphones. jack on an iPhone, like so, like everyone's got an iPhone. Everyone has headphones. Look, look around any city. Everyone's walking around with headphones. And none of those headphones are connected to the lightning port. Like I'm commissioning a roundup right now of lightning headphones and we're going to find out. You know, I'm sure they're much better, but again, like these are these are super nerd, like audiophile niche products. Like nobody has this. So if it ships with a little ugly dongle, I guess we'll use a little ugly dongle, but I, you know, I'm not into it. I've never found a pair of Bluetooth headphones that I really, really liked. 
Because I like big cans and the Bluetooth cans are wait, just wait. heavier. I don't know. Do you know. like, big, it's been you like a while. big cans and you cannot lie? I like big <laughs> yes, cans on my lie. head and I listen I'm to brilliant. my rap. Uh, the uh, Yeah, the uh, this came up with um, uh, when the Apple TV came out and people said, well, I want to use controllers. I'm like, oh, well, there's a bunch of um, uh, what's the MFI? What's the, uh, is that the standard for they're, they're yes. approved by, they're certified by Apple to work with, uh, with, uh, game, game controllers. controllers yeah. Yes. And I look and like, there are a bunch, a lot of them are really badly reviewed. I'm not sure which ones are good. I think we did a roundup at some point after that, but it's, it was this, yeah, this is totally a solved problem. It's like, oh no, there's hardware in the market, but it's not a solved problem because the hardware is not well liked. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. Well, it's going to be, that'll be exciting. Uh, that'll be exciting. <laughs> gonna, gonna love it. Uh, speaking of exciting, uh, right near you, there's a new Apple store. That's very exciting. <laughs> so exciting. So I haven't bothered to go exciting. over there yet. Do you know, here's my sidebar. Do you know, I was visiting San Francisco, um, several months ago and a friend of mine. Yeah. We had tacos. We had tacos. Yay. And so not far from where we had tacos. Do you know, there's like a hidden path and, uh, above the ground in, uh, San Francisco at, uh, it passes by where the Apple store is. I think it's like this, our own little highlight. You go, yeah. You go walk up at one end, uh, over near the Embarcadero, I think. And you go up a set of stairs and you kind of walk at this second or third. Oh yes. Embarcadero center. Is that what yeah. it's called? Super cool. My dentist but you can walk there. for blocks and blocks. Uh, across yeah, it's like a it's a couple blocks. No, no. Yeah. Oh, well, there's more. We walked for like seven or eight blocks. They're different. You go downstairs and up, and San Francisco is full of like public private spaces. They look like they're private and they're public. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of those. There's a cool map. So like, yeah, buildings will oh, have like you know cool. terraces or yeah. balconies and stuff, and and they have you 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 are allowed access between posted hours. Like it's usually like nine and five, and you can go like have lunch. Oh yeah, because they got air raids. Someone else's the, garden. The building yeah. got air raids, but then sometimes that degrades over time, and the building will claim it's only for guests in a hotel. Like there's in New York, I think there are lobbies and buildings that are technically like hotels that are absolutely open to the public, and the hotel pretends mm-hmm. they're not. And so there's been some enforcement there. But uh, I bring this up because the San Francisco store is kind of one of these cases. Like Apple is now the new store is adjacent to a public space that I wonder how public and private it's going to seem. It probably will look more private now that the Apple store is there. And the Apple store, the new one is like, is got trees inside. It's got a genius grove and it's got these giant doors that slide open so that you're kind of in and outside the store at once. I'm sure that's great for electronics to have dust blowing in from the San Francisco streets. It's great. Yeah. I hope they get a lot of pigeons and stuff in there because I love Apple birds. Well, maybe they can have some nests in those, uh, in the grove, grove nests. Yep. Uh, so, well, you know, that's what maybe Twitter will relocate nearby. Twitter is nearby. Twitter can send birds over to the Apple store. Their headquarters is just a few blocks away. Yeah, it's on Union Square. It's uh, sort of it's where the Levi's store used to be, and then the Levi's store kind of oh, uh, backs yeah. up to a hotel. I think it's the Hyatt, and there was kind of this triangular plaza um, outside the Hyatt that had like these nice brick stairs and this cool old fountain that you know looks like a big ball when you're kind of cl- back away, but then when you close up, you you get close up, you see that it's it's details. It's covered with all these little like sculptures. And some of them, I did a little research, and some of them were made by um, school children oh, yeah. um, out of bread dough. And then the artist cast them in bronze and added them to this to this fountain sculpture. So it's got, you know, little depictions of different scenes around San Francisco. There's a big like HH in the middle that stands for Hilton Hotels, which I, I hot God, maybe Hyatt Hotels. Is it the Hyatt or the Hilton? Uh, HH is Hilton because they, they like their Hilton. double H thing. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but but that's the, the that's the hotel right there, and I think it's the Hyatt though. Is anyway, it? Oh, maybe it is. Um, 
Maybe. I'll look it up. I'll look it up right now. Put a note in the show. So anyway, it's this really cool fountain and it's been there. It was commissioned, I think, in like 69. It's been there since 73. And the, the first plan that Apple submitted, they were going to do just like a big box Apple store that was just like the whole Stockton Street side was just like a giant wall that just came all the way down. Like these these fancy doors that they're touting now weren't originally part of it and the the, the fountain was not there and so, I mean, and, and this happens a lot. Like Apple was sort of criticized before the design and they were like, all these designs go through iterations. Like this isn't, you know, this isn't Apple trying to, to come in here and impose anything. So with some back and forth with the city and, and the neighborhood and stuff, they came up with this, with this cool design. So yeah, they kept the plaza, but the plaza is now kind of part of the Apple store. But they say it's open to the public, and they say it's going to be open 24 hours a day. Oh. Um, don't test this. Like, don't go to Union yeah, Square in the middle say, of the night. Although, it's not a nice it place. It could wind up being safer, depending if they if they open it 24 hours a day, they may provide security. Because um, some private companies will do that. They want to protect their own stuff, so there's security there, which actually turns out to make it potentially uh, safer. But I don't know. That's That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Francisco is not my favorite place to walk at night, to be honest. Uh, it's the Hyatt. Okay. <laughs> the Hyatt. Oh, the Hyatt. I'm sorry. Hilton has Hilton yeah. Honors, which is HH. That's the rewards. Rewards. Program. Right, right. Yeah. You can see where I've spent Anyway. Uh, well, that's, I think that's fascinating. I, uh, I was thinking this store will probably become one of those, you know, destination things because it's unique. And uh, uh, like the, there's, well, I should say, it's funny, it's unique, but you've got two stores in New York that are both extraordinary and different. You got the Fifth Avenue one. You got the Soho store that people, you know, kind of go to see because they're uh, interesting architecture and the way, and plus all the products. The one in Grand Central is pretty. I cool I love too. the way. I have not been to that one. I've seen it from the outside, and I love the uh, I love the way it appears, like the how it's integrated yeah. with the store. Uh, but this, you know, this is probably the first store that uh, Aaron's, who's the head of retail, has put her full stamp on. I would guess. Yeah, it's, she rebranded the heck out of everything. <laughs> it's all got, uh, yeah, they, they, they named everything. So I, so that's I fun. I definitely also but, appreciate, like, this is the kind of thing that will drive certain people out of their minds because they'll be like, oh, my God, there's no cash registers. Now there's no genius bar. I go in, I'm supposed to hang out under a tree and what, a bird's going to come down and call my number? You know, so you can see yeah. this totally plays into the, like, oh, Apple is such a special snowflake thing. But I love that they're trying to, create different retail experiences so it's not the same it's not the old horrible computer stores it's not even the old apple store and um they're super successful at retail yeah, so i mean like it. i don't yeah they, they really know what they're doing they move a lot of stuff and they make it an experience i mean like anyone can have a store and 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 they do try to make it like more of an experience than just going to a store like you you might go to the apple store even if you don't like need anything which is kind of rare like there's not a lot of stores that like you know target obviously but there's not a lot of stores that i'll do that with so um so yeah it looks cool and it sounds like some of these design features are going to be brought to other stores Mm -hmm. like they might not you know tear them all out and redesign them overnight but as new stores get added especially what they're calling significant stores which makes me think you know your big downtown ones the ones that end up having those cool design architectures like the the fifth avenue you know store in new york that has the big uh glass cylinder on top and and that kind of thing like those significant stores are going to get um more of these things like they're going to put the plaza and, and more they want to have, you know, public space part of this. And they're going to have, um, you know, uh, musicians playing out there. Oh. And they, they can do little events there. So, yeah, that's great. 
So yeah, that gives them, you know, a, a community kind of opening and then they're doing educational kind of things, which they were already doing. So they're just, you know, they're giving that more space in, in the new Union Square store in San Francisco and they've, you know, given it a, a silly name. So, um, yeah, it's, it sounds cool if you're, it should be a big improvement over the old store. I'm a little unclear as to if that one is still open. So people come into town for WWC. I don't think the one Stockton store will still be there. I think it's, that was my understanding, but I'm, I'm not in the city. Yeah. The new store, it's still on Stockton street. It's just a few more blocks up. It's like past Union square. So it's uphill a little bit, um, wear your sneakers, but go check it out. It should be fun. The uh, other thing is the case fitting room. Oh, yeah. There's like a wall of cases, but you can try them on uh, your phone, which I just, yeah, I like that. It's That's a nice. good idea. Uh, one last issue this week, um, which we can talk about. I wrote a bunch about this last week. So touch ID timeouts where you're asked for your password. I feel like I did a public service, Susie, based on responses with people going like, oh, that's what's going on. Thank you. On. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Everyone was like, huh. I, I guess I don't sleep that much. I hadn't. I've probably run into it before and I had assumed that my phone had like, you know, rebooted itself overnight. So it's sort of nice to know that my phone is not rebooting itself overnight when this happens. So here's, I'll 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 explain the situation, but dear listeners, here's what you can do. You can test your friends. Anybody you know who's an iPhone user who has Touch ID enabled, go to them and say, hey, have you been unexpectedly asked for your passcode on your phone in the morning? And if they say yes, you can explain what I'm about to. If they say no, you can say, aha, I'm Sherlock Holmes and you never sleep more than eight hours. And they'll say, how did you know that? So there you go. You can amaze your friends. I just did this to several people in the last week. But there's two clocks. Like it's, explain the, the two clocks. There's like the six days and then yeah, eight so hours, here's right? The thing. So, uh, so what I discovered, it was it's actually like um, – Apple just didn't publicize it, but this has been in since iOS 9 was released. And a reader wrote in a few weeks ago and said, I'm having this weird problem. In the morning, my iPad, you know, every one, like every few days uh, in the morning, my iPad and my iPhone are asking me for my passcode. Are they rebooting at night? Am I missing a setting? What's going on? And I thought, huh, you know, that's been happening to me off and on too. And I've just assumed it rebooted in the middle of the night or something locked, but why am I being asked for my passcode? And, uh, you know, I asked around a little bit. People are like, yeah, that's been, I don't know. That may be happening to me. So I'm, I look through, I start doing my research as I do for Mac 911. I look at all these online sources. I look in forums, see if other people have reported it. If it's not something I can test myself. And I go to Apple's iOS security guide and I'm looking and they have a bullet list. Like here's the times in which if you have touch ID, uh, active, you'll be asked your passcode again. It's after restarting, after five failed fingerprint attempts, uh, when you're training Touch ID, and I'm, you know, like there's six conditions, and then there's this one that's like two lines long. I'm like, I, I don't remember seeing this, and I'll go into this in more depth in a second. But it's uh, every six days. So after a six day period has passed in which you have not entered your passcode to unlock the phone, an eight hour clock starts ticking. And every uh, every time you enter your Touch ID after six days, that clock resets. So if within any eight-hour period after using Touch ID, you don't use Touch ID or your passcode, you will be asked, you will be asked for your passcode, which then resets the six-day clock. Um, Hmm. And so I'm thinking, I, I don't remember this. So I reach out to Rich Mogul, who has been on this podcast as a security guru. Uh, you know, was at Apple's um, you know background briefing a few weeks ago when they brought in a bunch of security people. He's kind of you know in that tier. Of folks, and uh, he said, "Huh, that's new to me too." But that explains something I was seeing. I go out to Jonathan uh, Zadriarski, who was on the podcast, and do you know what? He's like, "Hmm, huh." Well, that explains. It. And so I check the date on the PDF, this Apple security guide, 
and it was updated on May 12th. I contact Apple. Apple says, oh, yeah, we added that in iOS 9. Uh, we just updated the manual now. So for, what is that, uh, eight months or so, this new condition has been in effect, but Apple didn't communicate it. People have mystified. So we published the article, and we you know, uh, last week, and I start getting all these tweets from people like, oh, that's what was going on. I thought, you know, I couldn't figure out. And people saying, I've never seen that. And I said, those people said, I've never seen that. I said, do you sleep? more than eight hours a night. And all of them like, no, I usually sleep about seven. I'm like, do you use your phone before you go to sleep? And when you wake up, like, yeah. I'm like, you don't see it because there's no eight hour period in your life when you don't unlock the phone. I think it might take me longer to get to that six days because like lately it seems like I have to, I'm rebooting my phone yeah. more often. And I'll occasionally unlock usually it. Usually because mm-hmm. like the Wi-Fi like isn't, isn't working super great. And that I'm, I'm blaming my own network for that. I don't think it's the iPhone. Because it only happens at my house. So, so that can happen. You have to install an iOS update. You reboot. You have to enter it. You yeah, reboot for something. I feel like I'm rebooting a lot I had more. something with audio on my phone where like, I, our, it was interacting improperly with our Honda Fit. And I know that like solving the audio problems so it will get recognized, I have to restart the phone. So I do that, and that resets it. So what it effectively is, there's already a 48-hour clock. If you don't unlock your phone either with a passcode or touch ID – uh, you know, so so Apple has all these clocks that start ticking, right? And one of them is, uh, you know, the the when you unlock the phone, either with a passcode ID or with Touch ID, a 48-hour clock starts ticking. And at the end of 48 hours, if you haven't unlocked your phone in any way, it's just sitting there, you haven't touched it, which is people, you know, my in-laws have iPhones they basically barely use, but they use occasionally like phone calls they carry with them so we know where they are. With their permission, I should <laughs> they know we're tracking them. Um and they can go that period of time. So after 48 hours, you have to enter your passcode. Touch ID will not work. But then once you enter your passcode, it's re-enabled. Uh, this new condition is essentially a separate clock. So the 48-hour clock starts in any way you unlock. The six-day clock starts from the last time you entered your passcode to unlock the phone. Uh, so what it effectively is, you have a 48-hour lockout that's a rolling one. But then you get, after six days, you get an eight-hour lockout. And if you don't use Touch ID... During any eight-hour period from the last time you used Touch ID, then you have to use your passcode. Um, it was very funny. And I still have an – I talked to uh, – there's an article went up uh, uh, Monday. I talked to the Committee for uh, to Protect Journalists, which is a group that tries to uh, help journalists from being attacked and killed and imprisoned and all sorts of things around the world. A very important uh, group. And I thought they might have some insight why did Apple add this new restriction. Was it uh, – because Apple won't discuss the reason – uh, was it a human rights issue? Is there something I don't understand about how fingerprints are, are coerced or compelled? And uh, basically, they had no idea the, the, because it doesn't match any of their threat profiles. So the one thing might be, it may just be that uh, Apple doesn't want you to forget your passcode. <laughs> so, yeah. so if you, they're like, hey, remember your passcode? <laughs> you entered it for a bunch of days. We're going to make you enter it now because our research, you know, I suspect there's a lot of research on memory. I suspect that they researched it and found out that like people who don't enter their passcode for an increasing period of time, the number of those people who get locked out gets really huge. So because the passcode, they cannot recover it for you, as we know from government trials, uh, they cannot give it to you. If you forget your passcode, you're out of luck. So I this could just be an aide de memoir thing. And I don't know why they have the eight-hour timeout, probably to not annoy people who are very frequent users. Um, but it means that you're, you know, about once a week or so, plus or, you know, plus or minus a few days, seven days, eight, nine days, uh, depending on your sleep schedule, you're going to be asked for it, and then you enter it. There may even be research. Oh, my God, Susie, I never thought of this, and I need to look this up. 
I've read about memory research before about how you remember things in the morning versus the end of the day. The eight-hour lockout, hmm, I hadn't thought about this, may reflect the fact that in the morning, you're more likely to remember things better because you've just slept. And so you're probably more likely to remember your passcode when you Whoa. wake up than when you go to sleep. I need to check this out. But I recall a few <laughs> years reading something about where they tested people. They would give people uh, information. They would have people would study things and then have a good night's sleep or talk to them at the end of the day. So that it may be a uh, neurological thing. But wouldn't that be funny? Because um, every time you learn something, it forces something else out of your head. Uh, like when I took that home winemaking course <laughs> and forgot how to drive. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, forget sixth grade. There it goes. Crash. Uh, that's funny. The, the one other thing I'd bring up too is I had a number of people um, say they really hate the Touch ID lockouts. They don't want the forty-eight hour lockout. They don't want the six-day, eight-hour one. And um, that's part of the reason I wrote my uh, private eye column uh, that was up uh, Monday uh, is I presume, and again, Apple won't discuss this, that they impose, uh, and, I, and I ran this by some security experts too, but I presume Apple imposes global security pres- uh, 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 standards. And we saw this in the FBI, FBI situation with San Bernardino uh, because they don't want to have an option that an entire country could choose. So let's say China said, oh, we don't want anyone in this country to use uh, Touch ID or something like that, right? Or we don't want six-digit passcodes. Apple has very strongly been able to uh, prevent that from happening. And I just have a feeling that some choices they make, especially around Secure Enclave and Touch ID, um, may relate to protecting people worldwide, even when in certain nations like America, perhaps, or Europe, um, some other country, you know, India, I don't know, maybe have less of an issue with those particular restrictions. Um, and one thing a user, a reader rather mentioned in the comments is uh, they have a parent whose memory is going and they hate the fact that Touch ID is uh, disables regularly because this parent then has to remember their PIN um, and or their passcode. And that's actually difficult for them where they actually are very functional with their iPhone when it's unlocked and they can use their thumbprint, but they get flummoxed whenever they have to unlock it. And um, But you can't disable this restriction or any of the Touch ID restrictions. They're all mandatory. They could just set their, you know, if it's somebody they're not worried about losing the phone, you could set the pin to 1111 and write it on a post-it note in their house too, but, um, and not use Touch ID, but still, Touch ID is easier. And one final tiny note is that uh, there is a uh, rumor coming out that we report on that uh, OS 10, 10.12, whatever it'll be called, um, will let you unlock your Mac through uh, Touch ID on an iPhone. And um, I've tested in the past the lock utility that actually does that. You can lock your OS X device. Knock. No, I'm sorry, knock. Rather. Yeah, you wrote about it for Macworld. I was like, this sounds like a thing Glenn Yeah, wrote. and they have a watch app and they have an app. Yeah. And you like literally, you, you knock on the phone and it unlocks. It's cute. Um, so yeah. this would be a similar feature. It was always a little fiddly for me. After you wrote that, I tried to use it for a little while. And it was like, it was way easier to just unlock my Mac the old-fashioned I had way. the same problem. Well, I don't really need, I have a Mac. I let it time out in my house. But I pl- played with it for a while. I think there's... Uh, it was fiddly, and I have—I believe it's actually issues with iOS background apps and the way the watch app works, rather than any fault, unfortunately, of the people who make the app. I don't think they're at fault. I think it's how Apple manages timing stuff out. Um, yeah, it was like a fun trick, but it wasn't something I was going to like do every day. 
But it was fun. Once to you try. have to fiddle with it, then it's no fun. But if the, if it can get really seamless, that would be pretty. Yeah, neat. I'd love. I mean, I would love it because I'd love to be able to lock my. I mean, especially when you have things like. Uh, I mean, when your Mac is up and running, you don't get the full protection of File Vault two because your Mac has to be at rest. Uh, has to be not booted uh, to get the full benefit of encryption. But a lock screen, you know, there's right now there's no exploits out in the wild that let someone bypass a lock screen. They have to, you know, there's there's passwords you have to enter. And if you don't have it, you can't unlock the Mac without. Um, uh, there's a whole bunch of things you couldn't do in that circumstance. You can't reboot it because then if you reboot it, if you have File Fault Two enabled, uh, someone can't decrypt the drive without the password. So um, I do like the idea. I do like it. Um, Anything that makes it more secure for someone to be able to walk away from their computer, it's a good thing. And you could also do geofencing if they allowed that. Like when you walk away with your – there's some apps that will already do that. You walk away with your iPhone and when you're some distance away, you know, you're within left 1,000 meters from your house, the uh, uh, your Mac automatically locks itself, which would be cool. Um, but being able to come back and have it just say, hey, uh, you want to unlock your phone you, or unlock your Mac, you just press your phone button and kaboom. I like that. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, well, this brings us to the end of another episode. Susie, great to talk with you again. Great to talk to you, too. And, uh, folks, thank you for listening. You know, you can find us. I don't know where you might find us. Maybe Macworld.com. It's true. You can leave comments there, which, as you can tell from this episode, we listen to your comments. We read your comments. We hear you. Uh, you can find Susie and I on the Twitter. I'm at Glenn F, G-L-E-N-N-F, like Frank. Susie is S-F-S-O-O-Z. That's S F S double O Z like said. And uh, soon you'll be able to tweet at us, uh, including photos and bring us on canoes, multiple people without that counting towards your 140 character limit. So there'll be a hundred people in replies. It's going to be great. Just like uh office CC list. Won't that be great? Susie? Remember when you could start like nesting tweets and people were like, I'm going to nest a hundred oh, tweets. Jesus. Look at me. Oh, yeah. It's going to be like that with replies it's gonna be horrible. and images. It's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be the unwanted CC list. Look, if you're not going to count at, handles in the 140 character limit you have to let people drill a hole in the bottom of the canoe and let themselves out let me out of this yes. canoe i'm not tyler oh my god yeah um tip this canoe that could be like a new form of abuse uh, just like mentioning someone over and over yeah well i already this morning anyway we'll, yeah we'll talk maybe we'll talk more about it. already this morning saw people <laughs> say oh great more ways for men to talk at women on twitter uh so <laughs> That really shouldn't be easier. That's, I know. It's, there's know, so many bars in place. There's so many for, women who need to be corrected. They need so many things, so many mans to make. Uh, so you can also write us at podcast at Macworld.com. And this has been Macworld episode 509 for May 25th, 2016. I'm Glenn Fleischman, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Ciao.